What is up? Welcome back to the 3C Podcast. I'm your host, Brett McGrath. It's Friday, and you know what that means. Another conversation with a content marketer that matters, and I am fired up for today's episode. Getting ready to share this one with you. We have Devin Bramhall, who's the Chief Executive Officer at Animals, on the podcast today. I'm a massive fan of Animals, the content that they're producing in the market. It's phenomenal. So excited that I got a chance to talk with Devin about the future role of the content marketer. We get into a lot of really good insight in this one. Get your notepad out. Have you joined the juice? Go to thejuicehq.com. Start exploring a frictionless content experience today in B2B. Without further ado, let's kick it to the conversation. What is up, everyone? Welcome back to the show. I think I always say I'm excited, but I am excited. I'm super excited. How about that for this one? I am joined by Devin Bramhall, who's the CEO of Animals. I'm excited for this conversation. It seems like wherever I go in Slack groups, Twitter, animals content is being shared. People are talking about animals, which is always a signal of, man, they're building something cool and they've got a good brand identity. And I definitely want to talk about that. But before we get started, welcome, Devin. How are you? Thank you, Brett. It's great to be here. I'm doing great. It is like 75 degrees and just a little bit breezy in New York. People are out and excited to be out. And so my, I just met with my leadership team today in person. So I'm flying really high right now. That's fantastic. I think we've got an 80 here in Indy. I went for a walk before this outside. Good vibes. People seeing people again is, is a good thing. So it, it seems like over the, you know, obviously the last year or so has been different, but it seems like things are getting back to normal, which is, is welcomed by the world that we operate in. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. We got to host a happy hour with the New York crew and anyone we're a remote company, but we have a bunch of folks in New York and I got to meet people I've never met in person before. And you can just, you see it everywhere inside, outside, like people are, uh, have renewed energy and I think optimism. And it's just really cool to have that as like a counter to the past year. Totally. And I think that's maybe a kind of a theme of our conversation, renewed energy. I think we're going to be talking a lot about the role of the content marketer, a lot of energy around that. We talk about the content marketer on this show a lot, but we're going to maybe take it up a level and just talk about things that you're seeing in your role at Animals. But before we do that, I just want you to maybe react on what I was saying up front. Like seriously, you know, when I joined uh, the Juice and started getting back in networking, meeting with people, animals, animals, animals. And it just, this, there's this brand identity that I think animals has in the market where people share the animals content. People say good things about your business. There's good newsletter, good blog posts, you name it. And I just think that's really cool. And it just takes several people saying those things over and over where finally it catches attention and you start digging in and I start meeting people from animals and it just, it's, it's good vibes all the way around. So just you and your role at animals, like, like how does that make you feel? And like, maybe what are some of the things you're, you all are doing as a business to, to make that happen? Because that is, it's really hard to get that kind of attention. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, obviously I feel immense gratitude for, the sort of positive feedback around us and the stuff that we're creating. 
we, our goal is to make the internet a more helpful place. And the way that we do that is through the way we work with businesses and through the content that we produce. We want to make everyone around us better. So it's nice to hear when that works, you know, Um, and I think that's part of the reason why it works because our goal is to be helpful. And when that's your goal, you're going to produce something and then people are going to, when they find it helpful, it's going to make them want to share it with more people. So you know, this was not an overnight thing. We've been at this for five years. You know, the company was founded by Walter Chen, who was a former lawyer, software developer, you know, started a company. So like, you know, he really cares about helping entrepreneurs and businesses succeed. So like that helpfulness started at the very beginning and, you know, what you go after eludes you, what you become, you attract, like he attracted other helpful people and thus animals kind of got to where it is today. And the funny thing about it is like, we, we don't drink our own Kool-Aid. Like we had, we didn't market the company for the first like year or two. I think the blog started, we started in 2015 and the blog was launched by Jimmy on in 2018. And we don't like, we didn't have, we weren't doing following our own search strategy. Like he was just writing about the challenges that he learned about through talking to the companies that came to us looking for help. And when you notice a theme, he'd write about it. And that's kind of what we're still doing. Ryan Law is our director of marketing now. And, you know, we just, we write about what we know and we know content marketers and we know B2B SaaS. And so I think we're just sort of perfectly positioned to be able to be helpful. And I think like probably the, the reason why one of the things that probably makes us stand out is that we're quite rigorous, right? Like we're not talking about anything at a surface level. We dig really deep into sort of like the first principles, the core kernel of the problem or the challenge. And I just don't think there's a lot of that out there, especially in, it's odd that like, I don't know, I think there isn't necessarily as much good content marketing, writing about content marketing. So I think in that way, it's been sort of easy for us to stand out. Yeah, no, a shout out to Jimmy too. Uh, Jimmy was on the show. Uh, shout out to Superpath. Everyone go check out Superpath. You know, I, I think that's right. Like just in consume, as I'm like being the student consuming the content, I'm reading it. And to me, I'm not feeling like there's, there's a game behind it or there's like, I'm trying to be sucked into some funnel, but it's like, I'm reading stories and reading real life experiences. And, you know, people relate to stories, people relate to those types of things that they can read. That's going to help them level up and give them ideas and inspiration. And I think that's what I've observed the animals content team doing. And it's funny that, that it's, it, it took a little while uh, to finally probably say, Oh, you know what? We should probably be doing this on our own channels too. But it's, I guess it's the nature of just like your, your I'm, I'm sure like your team is spending every waking hour producing, you know, for your clients where then at it reaches a point where it's like, all right, well, we need to take a step back. Like this is working for them. Like we should probably be talking about it. Right. Yes. And, and if we're not practicing our own craft for ourselves, like whatever we learn through doing it for ourselves, we can pass on to our customers as well. So like, there's a beautiful kind of like cycle of learning happening there. And, you know, it's that, that sort of that cycle um, I think turns into, I don't know what the analogy is, like the flywheel or something, mm-hmm. right? Where like, you know, the content gets us the customer and then, you know, the strong referral network, et cetera. It's like, you start to develop this community around you through your work and your marketing. And that, like, if you think back to like the core, the early days of content marketing, back when it was still like community management, it was all about community building. 
that's all it was. It was like, be helpful, connect with people. Right. And it's like, that's what we're doing. And like, I don't know, to me, that just feels really good. You know, it, it does feel really good. And we're going to talk about it. But before we talk about like the content marketer specifically, I want to touch on what you just said, because it's this coming from a place of abundance, consistently providing value, consistently doing whatever you can to be helpful. And I think what I'm seeing is that teams that are doing that are patient and, and understand that marketing is a long game. And I think there's a lot of leadership teams that understand that it's a long game and empower their teams to play that game. But on the flip side, there are teams that might, under, might think that, well, marketing's job is just to generate a bunch of leads for our company and it's a volume game. And so we need to try these traps and tactics and all of these things that don't really work and annoy people nowadays. And they keep pushing on those uh, you know, campaigns or whatever it is. So I, I think as I've been talking with the market, there's, it just seems like there's two clear lines right now. It's those that understand this is where we're going and they're like pouring gasoline on that. And then there's other companies or people that are kind of still stuck in the past. And there's people within those companies that want to be on the other side, but just can't get there. Are you seeing this kind of dichotomy in just the types of conversations you're having with the market? Yes. So it was also my experience coming up as a content marketer. So definitely I worked for, I even worked for companies that got content and still timeline everything, but there's a reason for that, right? So startups are constantly working against a clock, right? They have to show traction, a certain amount of traction, a certain amount of time to get the next level of funding. And so like, I also am somewhat empathetic to the fact that like, especially in the early days, they, they don't have necessarily the luxury of time. They need to, they need uh, impact quickly. And I think some of them are, you know, they have the foresight to understand that like content's going to be important, an important part of long-term lead generation and brand awareness. But then they also need, you know, their work, they need to, you know, get this many users in this amount of time so they can get their next round. So, you know, there is like, I understand the constraints there, but, you know, I think with anything long-term and I experience this as a leader myself, progress isn't super sexy. Like, Progress, because the thing is, is like when you're work, when you when you focus on progress, it's you're almost like all you can see is the fact that you haven't reached your goal yet. You're not looking back to see how far you've come. You're just constantly looking forward. So just like you're like all you see is this like gap in what's been completed, right? And I think that's definitely a startup thing too. Like they're you know moving really fast, and so it's like they're always looking to the next the north star, right? But I'm like, is the north star actually the thing that we should all be looking at? Because it's kind of keeping us all a bit disgruntled, right? Like maybe we need to shift our mindset around it, but I'm getting like, I'm taking that way further out. But I would say absolutely, yes. Like there are companies that get it and companies that don't. I think the reasons why they don't are varied, but the biggest one that we see is just like, they need they need those results fast. Or uh, the founder, you know, um, maybe doesn't understand content very well, that you know, if they're like a product person, they haven't been exposed to it. And they've maybe been convinced by a marketing person that they hired that this is important. That's a tough, if you have to be convinced on something, it means you probably aren't fully convinced yet. In which case, if it doesn't show immediate results, you are going to be really critical of it and maybe decide prematurely that it didn't work. So like everything, it's, 
it's complicated. It is complicated. And it is a, uh, I think, but just marketers in general, like even if you are part of the, the team, the progressive team, and you're pushing things forward, there is a piece or it, you understand that it's going to take a while to push things forward. There's always that piece of you that wants instant results and wants that instant gratification right now. So it's like, it's that battle. I have that battle, like being in a, in a startup. It's like, I need to tell myself, like, it's little consistent, be consistent. It's the consistent work over time. It builds up and compounds to this bigger thing, but you just don't see it in the day to day. Absolutely. And that's painful, right? You're like, I spent all this time doing this thing. Like you're looking for the ticker to be like, yes. more likes, more comments. You know what I mean? It's like writing, you know, content isn't just social media. It's long form content, which takes time. And also like, look, this goes back to a problem that we'll probably talk about later. So I won't go too far into it, but it's like, it's not just about the piece of content. It's about how you distribute that piece of content, right? Like we're big believers that when you think that when you dream up the idea, you should be thinking of as much about the promotion as you are and how you, where you're going to distribute it as you are about the piece itself. I think people have this thing like, Oh, write this blog post. And like, it'll just blow up. Like that's not, that's not how the internet or the world works. No, it's not. We will touch on content distribution, but let's just, that was a nice setting of the stage. Uh, let's jump into the, the topic I want to talk about is just like the future role of the content marketer. And I think it's this, a lot of content marketers are asking this question, you know, they're in businesses there, they've been in their role, they're trying to, you know, progress, figure out what's next for me. And I've picked up pieces from a lot of different people along the way. There's companies like Animals that are talking about the content marketer. There's communities like Superpath that are talking about the career of the content marketer. And I think like content marketers have earned the right to like ask these questions and try to figure it out because of just the the work that this role, the work that people in this role have done over a, a long period of time and I think businesses are recognizing that role and just the strategic nature of brand building and what the content marketer does for the overall marketing team. So I just love I'd love to get your perspective on just like this transition we're seeing from like the content marketer, hey, I need you to I need to hire you, bring you in and I just need you to start churning and pumping out these blog posts to like what I just described is, wow, you're like our content producer, like you're a key strategic resource for our business. Like talk a little bit about just like that transition. It, hap- it hasn't happened overnight, but it's happened over the last few years. Yeah, for sure. I agree with that hundred percent. I think a lot of it has to do with technology. I really believe that a content marketer's role has been elevated by technology because it's easier for us now to track the success of our efforts I think one of the challenging things about marketing in general has always been measurement. And so, you know, how do you measure the impact of a billboard, right? It's out there in the world and you're measuring brand awareness, right? There are actually technically frameworks for measuring that. But in the early days, like it was harder to say, oh, if I spend, you know, 25 hours on social media, that brings in X amount of business or elevates, you know, so tools, tools, technology has elevated our ability to report on the efficacy of the work that we do, which means that we are naturally more valued by leadership because leadership is looking at the bottom line of the business, right? And any role contributing to the bottom line of the business 
do enjoy some influence. So that gets us, I don't necessarily think content marketing has a seat at the table yet. I think marketing in general does. Content marketing is one part of like a much bigger engine, but I do think it's been giving us more influence, especially with these like earlier stage startups. Like they're starting, it's interesting to me seeing these like brand new companies coming to us for content. It didn't used to be that way, right? They used to catch on the content later and they're kind of seeing right off the bat. Like we know, I've even had founders come to me recently like in the past year saying, I know content takes a little while to work, but I also know that I need to get started now along with the other stuff. I was like, wow. Like, I, you know, <laughs> I wouldn't have heard that a couple of years ago, right? Like that was, so I think that like, I agree that that the content marketing role it is very clear to an increasing number of businesses that it is that it works that it has impact because you can measure it right so that's my that's my stance that's yeah. what i think it is yeah that's yeah. it <laughs> yeah no and i like i like that and i think based on what what animals is doing and you and your role like you're you're constantly talking to founders you're ta- constantly talking to probably ceos vps cmos of marketing are you and so you get this feedback in real time on all right this is what we're hearing about content marketing this is what we're hearing about the role of content marketing so it's a it's a unique position that you're in on a day-to-day just having these i'm sure customer conversations do you find in these calls and i don't want to generalize this but just are are most of the calls you're having like hey we need to spin up content marketing at our business or hey we've got content marketing we're looking to optimize it at our business Oh, great question. I would say it's both. Uh, but let me clarify. For the younger companies, it's usually spin it up. But actually, even for some, like we've got, there are some very large brands that we have spoken to who grew by different means who are starting to say, hey, we think we need content now. So it's actually kind of surprising to see who is who is looking to spin up new content for the first time? You'd expect it to be an early company, right? But actually it's it's early companies and these kind of larger, bigger brands that didn't lean on content, um, have these enormous presence and are still looking to spin it up for the first time. And then, but we do also with those large companies, also sometimes we are like, they're looking to supplement their efforts, usually in, in terms of scaling it up, right? So they've mm. validated it in some way and they're like, okay, rinse, repeat, let's get on volume, right? Like we've tested this, we've validated it works. Like let's invest heavily um, in this. Yeah, no, it's, I guess just like there, it's undeniable that as channels are growing, as content teams are growing, the needs are evolving. So just recognizing those needs and the intersection for which animals is at, I'm sure every day is different and you're hearing new stories from companies on just needs and how they value content marketing in general. Yeah. But like, you know, I think yes and no, like the, the, so I, I ran sales for us for a short period at the end of last year. And I was actually surprised at how little deviation there was just like, Mm. you know what I mean? You kind of hear the same similar stories over and over again. So I think it, it like, I think the theme that I observe is that content marketing is no longer in the shadows. Like if these giant companies are coming to us and actually increasingly non-B2B SaaS companies are come to, coming to us looking for content, either experimenting with it, you know, it's, it's having a moment. 
it's definitely sort of becoming more mainstream. And, you know, I've been in content marketing for, I don't know, five, six years. Like to me, it felt like it was, you know, a, a thing a long time ago. But if you really look at it as a, as a part of a greater, like the whole world, right. It actually isn't like, there are still people I can talk to where I can say I work in content marketing and they're like, what? So it does still like this, this as an industry is still growing and it's interesting to see, I can't quantify it, but it is interesting to see the growth just in the past year and the t- as measured by not just the volume, but the types of companies who are looking to invest in content marketing. Totally. There is an, uh, a brilliant content marketer on Twitter and her name escapes me right now and it kills me. Yeah. Uh, but I saw it just to validate what you just said. She had a uh, tweet. I think I saw this past weekend about uh, her dad asking her, like, what does she do for a living? And she was said content marketing. And he was like, what does that mean? <laughs> like blog posts, like, what are those? Like, so it, we're in this, we're in this content bubble and it seems like everyone's doing it. But if you zoom out a little bit, like a couple degrees back, like there's a lot of people who have no idea what, what it, what content marketing is. Yes. Also, P.S. My favorite thing to do is trying to just, is to try to describe what content marketing is. People have no idea. It's actually way harder than it seems. I'm like, okay, so you have to write, like you write something on a blog and they're like a blog, you know, like what it's a part of a website that has education. It's like trying to explain it all the way through is actually kind of hilarious and very humbling. That's the next, uh, you're giving me the idea, so I'm not going to put you on the spot, but the next one of these I do, it's that's going to be my intro question to everyone. I'm just, just like saying, hey, describe content marketing. People hate me and never come on the show. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, we're talking about the like the rise of content marketing, things you're hearing. With that, when if people that you're talking to want to invest more in content marketing, are they talking about like okay, yes, yes for content marketing and no to these other things that we've been trying or these things that aren't working. Like, do you hear about like, these things just don't work for us anymore? Or maybe you see things that don't work anymore, but companies are just continuing to do, do those things. Yeah. Um, I would, it's funny. I don't, I can't pinpoint a thing that folks consistently say they don't do anymore. My personal opinion is that there are two things that don't work. One is organic branded social for B2B SaaS. It in the early days, like when I first started, like people followed B2B SaaS brands. They loved hearing what those, like they kind of connected them more as humans, but I just don't really see, I'm not saying that everyone, I'm sure there are people doing a great job. And if I had an example handy, I would happily share it. Um, but I think in general, like it's just people love to follow. B2C brands, right? Like I follow some, what is it? The, the moon pies and pizza, Hut. like all, there's a really great B2B SaaS. It's just not where it's at right now. I believe that in fact, people at B2B SaaS brands, kind of like the internal influencer is having a moment, which makes a lot of sense. The influencer movement is really hot right now. So naturally it extend to like, people want to follow people, not brands. Um, I think there's a way to leverage that. Uh, but the other thing I think that isn't working is this is a little more abstract, but remember, yeah, I'm like, let me try to unpack this. (laughs) Um, So like to say it simply is I think that blindly following any playbook isn't working anymore. So it's like, Oh, category creation, tweet storms, eBooks, like just 
doing that thing or following one of those frameworks that somebody's created, like it doesn't work anymore. And I think because there's, I suspect it's because there are lots of different, way more companies out there. There's way more content out there. And so you have to be more specific about your approach. And by specific, I mean, you have to look really, really closely at who you're trying to attract and really understand how they behave, how they consume content, where they consume content and come up with something like a very tailored approach to accessing them. Because there's just, I was just talking to a friend of mine, Todd Stewart, who also created, who created a podcast that I used to love. And now I can't remember the name of it, but he's going to reboot it. So I'm sure it'll come out there, but I had an idea of about a podcast and he was like, Devin, how do you even, like, do you even find podcasts anymore? I was like, no. And he was like, you listened to about three podcasts in total. Yes. I was like, I hate, but like I subscribe to a bunch of them. I don't listen to any of them. And I think I forget that I even subscribe to them. There's so many, right. That is true about content across the board. And so like, you know, you can't just like adopt a framework that like Moz shared or drift or whatever. Like it just doesn't work anymore. You can take those and adapt them to your business, but like, it's just, it's all like, you have to, you have to be more, it has to be more curated and focused in order to work. Cause it's just, there's no, there's, there's no silver bullet anymore. I guess is my point. There's no silver bullet. It doesn't exist. It, it doesn't exist. And you're, the, these are some of the problems we're working on. So I'm, I'm glad to hear you like talk about them. It's, it's encouraging and it's exciting for me. But back to the, you talked about the B2C companies you follow. You follow those companies because there's people behind those accounts that are funny and they have a sense of humor and they, they, they're, they're building the brand. Like Wendy's is cool. Like I kind of like, I'll see Wendy's tweets and I'm like, I need to go get a junior bacon cheeseburger right now. I miss those days and I get the nostalgia goggles on. And so I think that's, that's a comment that like just in, but B2B brands aren't doing that. Like, and if they're trying to do it, it's typically maybe falling flat a little bit. And they used to, they used to do that. They used to get weird like Wendy's and there's just something happened where like, finally they started with them splitting their Twitter from the support Twitter to the main Twitter. Then the main Twitter became about the brand. The brand had guidelines and it had a personality, you know, and all that stuff was scripted. And so the person doing social for that brand and Twitter account, like had to be a certain, the human went to the support Mm -hmm. Twitter and the support Twitter. (laughs) I was tweeting with some company sometime in the past couple of years. It was like, their support Twitter was fire. Right. But their branded Twitter is kind of like empty. Yeah. it, it, It blows my mind. The, the company, empowering people to carry the message of brands, I think is a, is a topic that is happening to me back to what you said, people buy from people. That's a reoccurring theme on this podcast. It keeps coming up. The teams, the B2B companies that are crushing it right now are the, the companies where like, I'll call a couple out. You mentioned one, but like, here's one gong, like, right. You, you get on LinkedIn, Love them every, because their people carry their message. You get on LinkedIn. Everyone has the same background. It's consistent. They're real authentic. It's like, yeah, they have a, you know, a sales intelligent platform, but it doesn't matter. Like, it's like, I, okay. Like if I have that need, I know where I'm going. So like, it's them. It's like how drift started, right. It's just like, empowering their employees to carry the message that is you don't want to like 
tell people at your companies what to tweet and what to do, it's almost like it's a part of the culture and it's ingrained with how they do it. And it's really hard for anyone listening who has a company that's saying, oh, let's get our people to start sharing our stuff now. Like what, what do you think it is about maybe those companies or other companies that gets people excited and motivated to be that front line and be the brand of those companies? Well, I mean, I think in Gong's case, like the, the coolness, the uniqueness, like that's built into the brand from the get-go. So again, what you go after eludes you, what you become, you attract. If you are, if that's who you decide who you are, your brand personality, you're going to attract people like that. Those people are going to feel empowered to kind of be that out in the world. Whereas I think, you know, for other brands, like maybe they don't think about what their brand personality is. They're not building culture around that. And so like, when it comes to, okay, we have the social media account. It's like create a personality for it or don't or whatever. It's like, it just, there's nothing there. There's nothing to fuel it. Right. And that's why I think people at brands um, or at companies can really work because you're sort of, there's one step removed. Like what's that disclaimer that everyone puts in their Twitter profile? Like my tweets do not reflect the the company I work for. And so it's like, it gives the brand air cover for the person to be themselves and still like represent the company, but not necessarily who the brand is. And now all of a sudden, think of it this way, talking, going back to being specific and focused, right? You know, you have this audience that's composed of lots of like different kinds of people. Say you have multiple buckets of people, right? You're targeting developers and CTOs, right? They may have a shared sort of community of interest, but they may also have specific and separate So imagine you have your CTO sharing stuff from his perspective. You have your engineering managers and engineers sharing stuff. You know, now you're getting like, you're building more micro communities around individuals. So, I mean, look, that comes with like a whole bunch of issues, which is like, do you really want to build a brand around an individual that could leave your company? No, probably not. Best to start with the stakeholders, right? Like, you know, founders and, you know, people who are really bought in. But I do think that it, works and maybe in a way is potentially worth the risk because if someone is able to build their audience around your brand, like if I Devin at and like build, build a big audience by using animals, like it also may kind of for a while, at least kind of hitch my wagon to them for longer. But that's, again, that's like a way bigger thing, but it, it is, it's interesting and it's fascinating. And it's like, I feel like there could be a whole, uh, series on just studying of companies in this topic. This has been fun. Maybe we close out this. We talk, we can't talk about like content marketing, the future of content marketing without a topic you alluded to earlier, which was just distribution. I think, you know, we as content creators spend all of this damn time creating articles, doing videos, doing podcasts, spending all this money, time, energy on resource, trying to get our brand voice out there. And it's that we get it done, we publish it, and it's on to the next one. And we don't take the time to think about, am I maximizing where this needs to go, where this needs to be, who this is in front of, and really thinking about the distribution. We're not the only ones talking about distribution. It's a hot topic right now. Yeah. Maybe maybe share some perspective on just like, how you think about distribution now and its and its importance and and maybe just leave some we can leave the audience with some perspective of how they should be thinking about it um, yeah. after they produce content. So our like our belief on this is that 
distribution is not the final step. It's the first step. So when you come up with an idea for something, you should start by thinking about how you should, how you distribute it. Don't, don't spend, I mean, I once worked at a company where they were dead set on writing this ebook. And we, I mean, the amount of resources and time that went like designers, director of marketing, which is me, writers, every, like there was so much effort put into this and they had no plan for distributing it. And the goal was like to get 3000 leads or something from it, but they had absolutely no idea how they were going to do that. And this is like how, this was my first day at the company or like the first week at the company. I was like, whoa, right? And it's like, they do themselves a disservice because they spend all this money creating what was a beautiful and very useful asset. Nobody saw it. Nobody saw it. It just like, you know, and, and also if you're thinking just about distributing it to your existing followers, right? That's a limited distribution. Some of those people may already be customers. Some of those people have already evaluated and decided not to be customers. Some like some of them just like your content are never going to be customer. Like there's a limited pool within your followers of potential new business. And so if you're just like, okay, yeah, we'll send it out through our channels and like hope for the best. It's like, what? No, like you need to start when you have the idea, your first thought needs to be, okay, how, like, what is, what is our goal for distribution? Like how, how widely do we want the spread? What do we want it to achieve with people we would like to attract? Where, where are those people existing? How do they consume content? Do we like, should we be doing little video clips? How, like, should we podcast? Should we try to get on other people's podcasts? Should we create a, a, should we try to, you know, go on the road with this and, you know, talk about this topic, you know, at, at conferences, should we do webinar? Like start there, come up with your distribution plan and then write it or create it, whatever it is. Uh, Wistia talks about this a lot and I really admire their approach very much. They have this beautiful, um, like how to create a show series it's free. And in it, there's one whole section. I actually only watched the section on uh, <laughs> distribution because I was fa- um, obviously that topic is very top of mind for me and a lot of our customers. And they give a really solid playbook for how to think about distributing. And they're like, treat it like a media company, like really get out there. Like you should be spending, I think their belief, or maybe this is, I don't know if this is uh, theirs or David cancels, but it's like, it's like 80% on distribution, 20% on the asset. I don't necessarily agree with that hundred percent, but he's right that like you should be spending way more time on the strategy to distribute. And even if it's just a blog post, right? Like the topic, okay, who in our company really talks about this or is passionate about this? How can we get them on their link to, you know, whatever. So I think that, you know, if I could leave on anything, it's like distribution comes first. Second, you have idea, think about how you're going to distribute it, then work out the topic. I, I love that. Uh, I love the, uh, the thought, I don't think I've ever heard anyone say before you even create, think about the distribution. So that's, that's like, that's pretty good. I, I like that. And I think that's something meaningful. Um, one thing you said too, is your ebook story. My biggest beef on like that, like I'm looking at that situation, like I'm standing there as your fir- first day is happening and everyone's, you know, pouring all these energy and resources into this with no plan, you know, like, there's so many companies that pour a lot of energy and resources into their content. And I just want to say this because you gave me the opportunity. If you, if you, if you pour all of this money and people into creating content, that doesn't necessarily give you the right to say, okay, since we put all of this money into it and it's a resource, that means we need to get as much information from you as humanly possible in order to give this to you. That's just, to me, that's, that seems a little out of date. So I just, I had a comment on that. Yeah. Well, because you're setting the stakes for a relationship 
without giving the person a chance to weigh in. Right. You're kind of, it's like a bait and switch. You're like, mm-hmm. here we have this thing, but, and you're like, can we nego- like, can we negotiate the terms of this agreement, please? You know what I mean? Um, it is very, it's very one-sided, I think. And, you know, I, like, I'm, I'm not someone who's unilaterally opposed to asking folks for some information sure. or something, but I do some of those forms, man, you're like, really? Wow. Like, do you want to know like my future child's name who hasn't even been conceived? Like, you know what I mean? It's like, wow. Okay. So, uh, I'm with you on that. I think it's such a, when I see brands do that, I'm like, Ooh, you seem so dated. Like you seem like the grandpa in the room who doesn't get it. You know, <gasps> grandpas are great. I didn't mean anything about grandpa. Yeah, shout out, sh- you know what I mean? <laughs> shout, shout out grandpas. And I used to say, I, when I was, when I was talking shit about forms, I used to be like, Oh yeah. And then they ask you your home address. Why do they need the home address? Now I'm going to start saying you're, you know, they're, they're trying to figure out what I want my future baby's name to be. I think that, (laughs) I think that, that, that'll catch more attention before I let you go. Let's close out. Like what is one thing for content marketers that are uh, listening to this show? Just you, you talk with a lot of teams, marketing teams, you've got a good pulse on what's happening right now. Like maybe what's some, a piece of uh, feedback or just advice in general that you want to leave people with. Oh, yeah. Look, you have a lot of power right now. So if, you know, a lot of folks need content people right now, we see it every day. Some of our best people, like there are people coming for the folks who work at animals all the time. And look, they should enjoy that. They should like content marketing is hot. A lot of people are recognizing they need it. And there's a lot of really awesome companies looking to hire content marketers. So look around, like if you, you know, you should be, you know, I'm, I'm a big believer uh, and we talk about this a lot internally because obviously this doesn't, what I'm saying doesn't necessarily serve me and my company, but I firmly believe that everyone needs to be the advocate for their own career. And cause nobody else is going to not a single other person. And so like, look around, there's some really cool, like there's some really cool jobs flying around and like you have some strong legs to stand on. And so if you're even like, you know, if you're not happy, it's like, get out there. I love it. I love it. Be proactive. Don't just sit. Things aren't going to come at you. Make it happen. Devin, thank you so much. Everyone go check out what Animals is doing. This was such a fun conversation. I'd love maybe maybe in the future we can talk, you know, into the year or something we can figure out and see what's happening with the content marketing landscape. Devin, thanks so much. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. So many good nuggets in there. Devin's awesome. Animals content is phenomenal. Some of my favorite in the industry. Go check out their stuff. Take care of yourself. Take care of others around you. More 3C Podcast coming at you next week.